I ask you to take your Bibles again and turn to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 8. So Ecclesiastes, chapter 8. We'll begin reading at verse 16, just the last two verses of this chapter. Ecclesiastes 8, 16, and 17. Again, we'll turn our attention to this portion of God's inspired and infallible Word. When I applied mine heart to know wisdom and to see the business that is done upon the earth, for also there is that neither day nor night seeth sleep with his eyes. Then I beheld all the work of God, that a man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. Because though a man labor to seek it out, yet he shall not find it. Yea, further, though a wise man think to know it, yet shall he not be able to find it. Amen. Again, we trust the reading of God's Word will know His blessing as we hear it in that way. So let's pray again that God would help us and illumine us in this portion this morning. Our Father, once again we acknowledge our hearts are naked and opened before Thee, with whom we have to do. O Lord, we pray that not only they may be open to Thy sight, but Lord, may they be open to Thy Word. May they be receptive. Or may there be faith mixed in the hearing of its reading and preaching. That the gospel contained in this book may not be unprofitable and become, contrary to its intention, a curse to us, but rather a blessing. Overlook our sins for Jesus' sake and cleanse us and quicken us, we pray. By this word. Amen. Again, in this portion, Solomon shows us his diligence to help us find out in this life what is good for us to be doing. As he says there in the first few verses of chapter 2, one of the great purposes of his book to help us out in this life. Luther called this book uh, of Ecclesiastes the politics or economics of Solomon. Not meaning that it has all the details of how to legislate and how to run an economy, but living in such a world. He says this book can give us counsel to a man involved in the state or the household as he deals with difficult problems. And it can instruct and encourage his mind as he bears the troubles of such a position. Problems and troubles are endless here, as is evident from all the histories in Holy Scripture and from the stories of all the poets. End quote. But he's saying, I think rightly so, this book is a help. It gives us instruction how to deal with, how to go through, uh, how to... 
shoulder, as it were, the troubles, the burdens that come from being in this life, this world under the sun as a governor, as a father, a mother, a child, a worker, a slave, a master, a king, a queen, whatever it might be. How do we go through it and honor the Lord and have comfort as well? And so here again, I think in these last couple verses of chapter 8, we are helped in our difficulties. And Dalich, one of the German commentators on this portion, the 1800s, says this of Solomon, that he is treating of this inexplicable difficulty. And so the words here used by the author himself are also hard to be understood. I think he's got a point here as well. We read this through and we look at Solomon applying his heart to know wisdom and to see the business that is done upon the earth. For there is also, for also there is that neither day nor night seeth sleep with his eyes. And he beholds the work of God. He can't find it out no matter how much he tries. And, you know, it's a little bit difficult to understand. I don't think it's impossible, but we'll come to that. But it's a difficulty Solomon's looking at. And his words even reflect that to some degree. But just to give us a, a summation of these two verses, I was reminded of the proverb 25 verse 3, which says, It is the glory of God to conceal a thing. But the honor of kings is to search out a matter. It's the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. And so we want to just use those two phrases, that two, those two halves of the proverb, for our two points to summarize these two verses. So we're going to reverse them because of the order of our text here. But I want first want to consider with you the honor of kings. The honor of kings is to search out a matter. And, and Solomon says he's applying his heart to know wisdom and see the business that is done upon the earth. To apply his heart. The same word you have other places. In fact, the verse right before it, the last little phrase, which God giveth him. So it is to give the heart here to know. Again, quoting Dalich, this Hebrew phrase has the idea to direct the heart, to give, in other words, attention, uh, to give effort toward this wisdom, this understanding, this looking, this seeing of the business that is done upon the earth. Solomon is diligent. Solomon is urgent. He's, He's working. He's laboring. Into the business, into the work, to the labors, to the travails that are done under the sun. I think in this verse particularly, uh, he's looking at man's works, a man's attempts, man's accomplishments. 
man's labors. The word business is only used in Ecclesiastes. I think it's, I didn't count them, but it's maybe half a dozen times. And it just has to do with men, their labor, their work, their travail, their business as it's translated here. He's looking into all of it. Remember Solomon had those exceeding great gifts of wisdom and knowledge, discernment. Now that David did not have, that Saul did not have, that the wise men that surrounded Saul and David and even himself did not have either. In fact, none that came after Solomon, the Bible assures us, would receive that gift either in that degree. And he's looking. He's using it. In fact, so much so, and I think Matthew Poole is right here, he suggests that when you come to the end of that verse, and you have that parenthesis, for also there is that neither day nor night seeth sleep with his eyes. Uh, he, he, He compares it with Paul's statement in Corinthians, you know, where he says that he knew a man in Christ... Whether in the body or out of the body, he did not know, but he he went up even to the third heaven. Well, most think Paul's talking about himself, just in a a self-depreciating way. And so Solomon here probably is speaking of himself. He's not giving himself rest. He is so intent. He is so working that he doesn't take the necessary sleep. He's so... Interested, he's so caught up, he's so immersed in it, he doesn't even realize sometimes that he needs to sleep. Our former mailman was like that, he might still be like that. He's working on some of his projects at his farm, and he would be working after, of course, he delivered his mail on his uh, chicken coop, big ones, and uh. Be out there working all night, you know, and he finally looks at his watch and it's like 4.30. Oh no, I've got to get ready to go. I've got to be leaving my house at 5 to get to the mail house, whatever it was. He, he got so caught up in it, so immersed, so diligently, so set upon that work, that he forgot to sleep. Others do the same when they, not just physical labors, but study. As Solomon here. The stories in our own day. The glory, the honor of a king is to search out a matter. He wanted to know. He wanted to delve in, as he has already said many times in this book, into all the business, all the travails, all the pleasures, all the things that man does, attempts, and finds he hopes satisfaction in. When he did this, we're going to slide into our second point. He says in verse 17, Then I beheld all the work of God, that a man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. Solomon, all his wisdom, searching out this matter, even could not come in the things of this life to a complete 
observation, a complete conclusion of this item of the business that is done under the sun or upon the earth, as it says here. He was thwarted. He couldn't reach it. Should we be surprised that if you read, you know, the philosophers of the Greeks, if you read our modern day philosophers or all those in between, that they cannot get a full grasp on this life, its meaning, its direction, its importance, etc. Solomon couldn't. Well, they may approach Solomon in some of their gifts, they very well may. Yet they cannot equal him, and they surely cannot exceed him. As we said, we're sliding into that second point with this transition in Solomon's thought to the glory of God. That's our second point. Because the glory of God, Proverbs tells us, was what? Or is what? To conceal a thing. To conceal a thing. To hold back all the information, as it were. The totality of the object. Our call to worship said that God's greatness. You know, God, the Lord, is great and greatly to be praised. And it goes on to say, and His greatness is unsearchable. Unsearchable. Well, you can search it. You can. But as I think Job says, it will not be found out unto perfection. You can't come to the end. You can't comprehend it all. You cannot grasp it all. You cannot find it all out. When Solomon was looking at this business, all these workings, all the states, all the governments, all the companies, all the trades, all the homes, etc. The recreations. Diligently, as we said. He said, a man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun because really... When he was looking at it, he said, I beheld the work of God. I beheld the work of God. It won't turn it up, but Jeremiah says, you know, the, the way of man is not in himself. God directs. In Ephesians chapter 1, we often think of in reference to salvation, and we ought to. But there is, <clears throat> in speaking of salvation and in the great purposes of God to save those whom He has predestinated to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ, in verse 11 He says, again speaking of Christ, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according Notice what he says, to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ. 
Solomon saying, you know, I'm looking at the way countries operate. I'm looking at the way men, women, children operate their lives, their daily lives, their business, their schools, their recreation, whatever it may be. I'm trying to understand it. I'm trying to find out the best way to go about these things. What to recommend to others. And in the midst of that diligent search, I beheld the work of God. What does he mean by that? I think what he means is what Paul said there. He beheld God working all things. There's confusion. There's confusion in our own country right now. We may not give sleep to our eyes, and some do not, as it were. And, And many we would pray for that are trying to find the truth and to make it known. But, they're confusing. Contradictory. They're scary. At least for some of us in different situations. And yet, God is working in that confusion in the middle of all the unknowns, the middle of that which seems evil. Uh, Remember verse 14 of our chapter here in Ecclesiastes. That there's a vanity which is done upon the earth, that there be just men unto whom it happeneth according to the work of the wicked. Again, there be wicked men to whom it happeneth according to the work of the righteous. The world rewards the wicked with good and the righteous with evil. And so it seems that the foundations, and naturally speaking, as the psalm says, they are out of course. They're out of course. But God works all things according to His purpose for the salvation of His people. Acts chapter 4 in the prayer of Peter and others when they let go out of the uh, Sanhedrin there, part of their prayer says that the kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. For of a truth, of course that's quoting Psalm 2, and they, they go on in their prayer to say this, For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. They were fulfilling this prophecy. Notice what they say about this. For to do. Here's the business that Solomon, if he were alive then, could be examining. Done under the sun, on the earth. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. Verse 
They were there of their own free will. Christ says they did what they listed, whatever they could, whatever they felt like, whatever they willed. And yet, what were they doing? They were only doing the work of God. Think about a confused situation for Peter and James and John and the other apostles. What did they? They fled. Judas brought that mob and they took Christ in the garden. He was tried. As many have said, rightly, a kangaroo court. Condemned to death. Innocently, the Pilate knew he was innocent. Yet he was willing to please the Jews. They crucified him. If there's any indication of the consternation and the confusion, the doubting, the sorrow, we may see it in those men on the road of Emmaus. Speaking to Jesus, unbeknownst to them at that point, so we had hoped that it was He that would redeem Israel. But now He's dead for three days. That might be you and me. We had hoped this would turn out. We would would have hoped that in this particular business of our lives, whatever it may be, outward or inward, spiritual or natural, Things would have happened this way. But they're not. Everything is dashed. Everything is in confusion. I'm in consternation, you might say. I do not know what to think. Solomon says to us here today, We look at the business of this world. We're looking at the work of a sovereign God. Of a sovereign God. And though we were like Solomon with his gifts, his opportunity, remember he had a very great opportunity being wealthy beyond measure. So he wasn't in need, he could buy, he could look, he could travel, whatever he wanted to do. To search these things out. And yet, though that man, we could say here, labor to seek it out as it says. That word labor is what you think of when you think of hard labor. To work severely, to work into weariness. He labors to seek it out. To bring it to pass. To bring it into view. Yet he shall not find it. Yea, further, though a wise man like himself think to know it, Yet he shall not be able to find it. It will not come to him. It won't come. That's the idea. It won't come forth. He won't find it. Why? Because it is the glory of God to conceal a thing. 
That could scare us. That could make us a little troubled. Maybe even a little angry at God that He would be such a character, if we can put it that way, foolishly. That He won't tell us everything. He won't show us everything. Psalm 77 speaks of the Lord and some of His ways. I think particularly providentially because He has made known His ways in Revelation by giving us this blessed book we have in front of us today. Solomon's book of Ecclesiastes, just as the rest, are inspired and infallible. So we know these things to be true, to be real. But Psalm 77, it is a very good psalm. I, I know it's, it's not the most positive in the beginning. But we're not always that most positive in our beginnings either with God sometimes, are we? So we need these things. But he said in verse 9, Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath He in anger shut up His tender mercies? You can't go into the rest of those verses, but he comes down to verse 19. And he says, Thy way is in the sea, and thy path in the great waters And listen, and thy footsteps are not known. And thy footsteps are not known. There is in the sea and the great waters, and his footsteps are not known. And yet, what? He ends that psalm, the next verse Thou ledest thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. God doesn't let us know what He's doing many times. The wisest, the most diligent, the most wearied in their labors and seeking and finding cannot find out God's ways. His footsteps are not known. Christ deals with us in a personal level many times this way, doesn't He? Not only with the church. I mean, that's really what Psalm 77, part of it is about, is the people of God, the visible church of the Old Testament. They were led by Moses and Aaron and these, but they didn't always know where. God did not show them His footsteps. Jesus in John chapter 13, verse 7, when He was washing their feet, He answered Simon, who wanted him to wash more than just his feet, or asked him why he was to do that. He said, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Christ deals with us as His disciples, as His people, as His ones that are His friends, in ways that we are not able to know. Christ does things to us and with us. And He says, right now you do not know my child, my brother, my sister. Remember, He even calls older women mothers, as it were, in the church. You don't know right now, but you'll know hereafter. Give patience. His footsteps, even as the Savior to His people, 
are not known. They're in the deep waters. His providence is not clear many times as we are going through it. I like what John Flavel said. Providence is best read like the Hebrew Bible. Backwards. For English people like us, backwards. <laughs> you looking back, you'll see, as Jesus said, you'll know hereafter. You'll know hereafter. Isn't that why this great God, this great Christ, in the words that describe them, and the Holy Spirit in Romans chapter 8 are so precious to the people of God. We all know Romans 8.28, do we not? And we know that all things work. There's that word work, isn't it? The work of God that Solomon was beholding. All things, all the business of life, all the business of this earth that we cannot comprehend, we cannot see how it's going to go, we cannot get a grip on the whole thing. All things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He did predestinate, them He also called, and whom He called, them He also justified. And whom He justified, them He also glorified. Before we go on, do you know that yourself? Not Can you quote me the verses? That would be wonderful if you can. But have you experienced the calling of God? The calling. Not simply me as a preacher or another one's calling you to repentance. Saying, turn from your sins. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. But this calling that he describes here is what we say is effectual. It accomplishes that which it intends. Because he says, those whom he called, he also justified. Same people. Same ones. So usually it comes by the preacher preaching. Romans chapter 10. But it's a work inside of you the preacher's not doing, but the Holy Spirit is doing to give you that faith to believe, that repentance to turn and be sorrowing for your sins. Are you there? Do you know that Christ's righteousness is imputed to you? He bore your sins. He bore the penalty. He was that lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world for you. Oh, if you do, there's joy. There's release. There's cleansing. There's happiness. Psalm 32 said, Oh, blessed is the man to whom the Lord imputeth not sin. You have to look forward to glorification. He doesn't say He will glorify. He glorified. It's a done deal. 
It is the covenant of grace sealed with the precious blood of Christ that cannot be undone. He cannot say no to His Son and those whom He redeemed. But we may look at the works of God and the business of this earth. The goings on. The labors. The things how they fall out. We can't come to the end and understand why. Why Why are the wicked rewarded? Why are the righteous punished? They don't deserve it. Who is it going to work together for? To them that love God. That are called according to His purpose. He works all things together. That web is hard for us to see. You know, some have said, some of you ladies have done cross-stitching things, right? Maybe you've seen it. Maybe your mother, grandmother, whoever did some. Your friend, your neighbor. And you look at the front, it's a beautiful picture. Flip it over. What does it look like? A mess of threads. That's what we see often, isn't it? That's what Solomon's saying. We look at the we're looking at the bottom. And I cannot understand it. I cannot come to it. I cannot grasp it. I cannot find it out. What is God doing? It looks like a mess, a confused piece of work. What does God see? Is the calling of those who've been predestinated. The justifying. The glorifying of them, the exalting of His Son in them, the making a place and making a way for them to have their joy fulfilled. Not just for this temporary life, but forever. I know our time is moving on, and so I won't read the rest of the chapter, but I would encourage you to think with me. I know you know this chapter in Romans 8. And all the things that are Negative that He puts at us in this life. We are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Paul's persuaded, you remember, that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come, the future. How often, as Augustine said, if we're not content with what we have, God gives us that disquietude of heart about the future to afflict us. The things to come. Of course, the things present can too. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We, as we bend the knee and say, with Solomon, who put the words of Paul in his mouth, for they are very similar. Oh, the depth, this is Romans eleven thirty three, of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. As we say that, let us remember that's the same Holy Spirit that inspired these things. Both in Solomon and Paul it says, they're not separating us. These ways we cannot find out. These judgments that we cannot search. 
Nevertheless, they're not separating us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. No matter how dark they may seem. God often clothes. Psalm 18 talks about God clothing Himself in the darkness of storms when He's coming to deliver His people. But to us, it seems black and negative and foreboding. Brethren, you must, I must, we must exercise faith again that through the darkness, you may see on the other side of it that smile, that lighted, bright smile of the love of God in Christ Jesus for us. He is a sovereign. He works His will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth as Nebuchadnezzar was enlightened to say. And he says, none can stay His hand. So He does whatever He wills. Nobody can stay. Nobody can put their hand out and say, stop. They can't turn Him back. He is irresistible. That it should be a terror to the wicked. For He has promised destruction. He's promised hell. He's promised a life in eternal darkness and woe and suffering. Though they may live well here. Many times they have happy days. Joyous times. Popularity, applause, wealth and riches. Not always, but a lot of times they do. We see it with our eyes and we are confirmed by the Holy Scriptures that this is often the case. With the man who may have many troubles, but loves the Lord. He's been called. He's been justified. He's looking toward the glorification. It'll be well with him. It'll be well with him. Though he cannot understand why these things happen. He's like Solomon. He may think to know it. He can't find it. It won't come to him. Except in that thing. That is the work of God. And all together for His good. For His good. Let me just leave you with this again from Psalm 145. Right in line with God loving His people. And yet sovereignly doing all that He wills. Sometimes in darkness. Many times we're not knowing His ways and His judgments. But He says of Himself through the psalmist David. The Lord, this is Psalm 145. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. Never forget that when things look dark, when God's ways are past finding out, when His ways in fact are in darkness and His steps are not discernible. And all you can see with the eye of nature, the comprehension of the works that are done here is darkness, confusion, and dead ends. Remember that whatever may come about here, 
It is with compassion. It's with love. It is not to separate you. It can't. It's not able. These providences cannot if you are in Christ Jesus. They only serve to make the picture on top that much more intricate, that much more beautiful, that much more wondrous to be adored when we know hereafter, as Jesus said. Isn't it wonderful that Jesus is not only our prophet and our priest, showing us the will of God for our salvation as our prophet, being that one as our mediator between Him that is the Lord God and us to bear our sins and to intercede for us, but the King to subdue all His and our enemies, to bring us to glory, to carry us safely through all the trials, all the temptations, all the disappointments. He will lose none. It's His will that those that the Father gave Him will come to Him. And He will raise them up at the last day. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we'll write these words upon our hearts. That though we behold the business upon the face of this earth, leading us to see the work of God in the midst of all these things, and yet even then we cannot understand We cannot wrap our minds around it all. Because God's ways are past finding out. His judgments are unsearchable. And yet, Father, we pray, may we remember that Christ told us what He does now we do not know. But we shall know hereafter. We can trust our souls and our lives to One who gave His life for us. To His working all things for our good. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.